Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Psalm 23. Now, we've been in this incredible psalm, this famed psalm, looking at it verse by verse. And I thought by setting up the message, we would go back to verse 1 and we would walk up to where we are today. So here we are, Psalm 23 in the very first verse. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I love those words. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And here comes what we're going to focus on today. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Look at this again. I want you to circle two words. You anoint my head with oil. Circle that word anoint. We're going to talk about that. But then it's my cup overflows. Circle the word cup. And I want you to write by that word the word life. Because that's what David is talking about. Now, this word anoint is the word in the Hebrew called deshanta. Now, I love this because there are many uh, translations of this word. But for our context, it means to thrive. Now, think about that for a moment. You anoint my head with oil. Don't miss this. Because this is exactly what God wants our lives to experience. That they would not survive they would thrive. The anointing of God brings about life like we've never understood it before. We serve a God, if you will, who wants our lives to overflow. And that's what David is saying in response. When I get the anointing, my life will be forever changed. When I get the anointing, my life, my cup, if you will, will overflow. We know the the, the old adage, right? That is your life half empty or half full? Well, both are wrong. God doesn't want either. He wants our lives to be overflowing. That's what he desires. That's what the anointing brings about. In fact, Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief, Satan, comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus talking, says, I came that you may have life, that you would enjoy life, and here's where it gets awesome, and have it in its abundance. The word overflowing. That's what God came to do. But that's going to require something much greater than ourselves. In fact, let me say it this way. You and I cannot thrive without the presence of the power in the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the anointing. We need the anointing. I like what celebrated uh, preacher Lloyd Ogilvie. I love following his messages. He once served as the chaplain to the U.S. Senate from 1995 uh, to 2003. Here's what he says. 
Anointing in the Hebrew Christian tradition means the blessing of the Lord, the healing of the Lord, the appointment of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord. He goes on to say, to be anointed by God is to have him place his loving hands upon your life and then fill it to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I stop and think, how amazing is that? Right. When David says, you anoint, God, you anoint my mm-hmm. head with oil. Picture, if you will, that, I don't know about you, but it just, it, it, it just gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. to think about God putting his hands on me. You, you know, when I was ordained as a pastor, they anointed me. And I, I've, I've never forgotten that day. When they, when they handed me the word of God and said, you are an ordained pastor in the Wesleyan church. And they laid their hands on me. And it, and it was my dad who prayed over me. Now, that was a cool day. But what David's saying is, how cool would it be if God handed you the word right. and God put his hands on you and God prayed over you and said, you are a child of mine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what I want. That's what David is saying we should have. The anointing of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God has anointed us. When you and I became a child of the king, he anointed us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts now, here's what he says, as the first installment, like there's more? <laughs> well, and there is. That's what David says, that your life would overflow. There's more. The anointing, the first installment, he goes on, that guarantees everything he has promised us. Oh, that stuff excites me. God wants to anoint us. God wants to set us apart. God wants to bless us. God wants to heal us. God wants to work in and through us like we've never understood before. Now, here's my question. Anybody here would like that anointing on their life? Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Would you like that anointing (laughs) on your work, Mm. on your marriage, on your home? In his church? I think so. I think it's so important. But listen to this very carefully. God's anointing was never ever for just those who are called into full-time ministry. And that hurts my heart because I think in the church so many people say, well, that's for you. You were called of God. But you need to know the Bible makes it very clear. When you become a child of God, you're called of God, and wherever you're at in life, you're in full-time ministry. And for you to experience it the way God had called you, whether it be a doctor, whether it be a lawyer or a teacher or someone who works in the business world, whatever it is, you are called to full-time Christian service where you're at. And for you to experience what God has for you, you're going to need the anointing. You're going to need the anointing of God. And so what I want to do is I want to give you several vital facts about God's anointing. You ready for this? So here's the first one. God's anointing, when it's God's anointing, it will change you. It will change you. That is a fact. 
In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And this is when Samuel anoints Saul as king. And I want to show you what the Bible says. In the very first verse, here's what it says. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. Now, I want to stop there for a moment because the oil in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, always represented the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what it did. It represented. But, but just like a wedding ring, the ring doesn't make you married. In fact, the pastor doesn't make you married. Right. In fact, a piece of paper doesn't make you married. Those are all symbols, if you will, and maybe a part of a marriage ceremony. But it is God who makes you married. Amen. And so the oil represents something, but the oil doesn't have the power. It's God who has the power. And so it says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil, and he poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord... The Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Now, he goes on to walk through some, some key pieces here, but I want you to skip down now to verse 6. Here's what, here's what Samuel said to Saul. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. Now, this is important. You don't miss this. The anointing of God will change you. If it doesn't, you're not in the anointing of God. The anointing of God will change you. Now, I want to give you a few things that you need to understand that when it changes us, that change will ask a few things of us. There are a few things we have to do. Now, here's the first one. I cannot follow a culture that does not follow God. When I have the anointing and I'm walking in the anointing, I cannot follow a culture that does not follow God. Now, church, listen. This is why I say it's not the White House that will change this country. It is your house. That's why regardless of the election, I have felt no angst, I have felt no worry, I have felt nothing except the sincere peace of this, that my God is still on the throne, my God is high and lifted up, because either candidate holds my future. That's already been, if you will, solidified in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because I have the anointing, regardless Regardless, I will not follow a culture that does not follow God. In fact, the Bible says in Exodus 23, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Do not follow the crowd. If there's one thing that God needs right now are less hokey pokey Christians and ones that are fully in, that are walking in the anointing. You know what I'm talking about? There's always those people, one foot in on the weekend, one foot out during the week. And no wonder they're always being turned all about. God wants us all in. And when we're all in and we have the anointing, we can't follow the culture. 
that's not following God. Listen, just because everybody's doing it does not make something right. Just because it might be legal does not make it spiritually moral. We're called to be different. Amen to that? Amen. We are called to be different. In fact, Peter writes in 1 Peter, we are a chosen generation. Now I'm reading this from the King James Version because the King James Version really has it right. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and then he adds a peculiar people. I, I like that word. A peculiar people. Has, has anybody ever said to you, man, you're weird? Has anybody ever said that? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Peter's talking about. It's exactly what the word peculiar means. Did you know that? The word means unusual, strange, odd. I've had people walk up and go, man, you're just odd. I'm like, yeah, odd and God. You know what I mean? We're different. <laughs> We're not supposed to be of this world. And you know why? Because the moment we give our life to Christ, we've been transformed into a new world. That's why I love the word ambassador. Do you know what a word, the word means? It means we don't try to fix the country we're in. We represent the country we're from. We're different. We're different. Paul tells us actually in 2 Corinthians 6, we're to come out and be separate from the world. And do you know why? Because the Bible says in John 2, the world and all of its desires will pass away. But the person who does the will of God those peculiar people, those who walk in the anointing, live forever. If I'm going to walk in the anointing, I cannot follow a culture that's not following God. Let's talk about this. What's going through your mind? I'm just happy that being odd is cool. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel a lot better. Uh, one of the first things I thought about I've gotten in the habit of, of, in my morning prayers, of thanking God for all of my blessings. And it's never ending. It, it flows over my mind. I can't list all the things that are good in my life. You can always think of the bad things, and you can always say, woe is me. But uh, the things that we have to be grateful for, even in the bad times, are, are endless. So that's what came to my mind. I just wrote down, I just had a conversation that I had to cut short so that I could come here. I have a, one of my little disciples who's having a really, really rough time and she's had you know, some, some struggles this week and she feels like, why is it all against me? And I said, because you're making a turn and Satan doesn't like it and you have to choose. I warned you and warned you this is going to happen. It's Something's going to try and break it so that you want to go back. And, and she said, but I have to choose different friends to keep my sanity, to keep going. She said, I just want friends who want to be different, that they don't want to go to the bar every day and they don't want to you know, go out and leave their kids at home. I want to be with my, my child. I want to be okay. I want to have a normal life. And I said, well, sweetheart, there's nothing normal about us when we choose Jesus because we're completely different than the rest of the world. And then we just had said that to her, that, that when you find him, 
that hole inside of your heart that you've been trying to fill with everybody else, guys or uh, trips or friends or booze or whatever it is that someone chooses, it's never full until it's him. And, and once you know that he's the reason, you don't need, I can look around my house and need nothing because I have him. And she said, well, that's what I want. And I said, then just keep working at it. It's coming. But it is a struggle. It is a struggle. And I, I just, I love the overflowing. I am overflowing. And I just love that. I just, I love that. Five years and eight months, I've not stopped overflowing. I think about that moment that I looked left and I looked right. And when I woke up, a man's inviting me in to celebrate recovery, knowing that I was going to do what I was going to do. And when I left there, falling on my knees on the side of the interstate, saying, God, I'm all in. I felt the weight of the world lift off of my shoulder. And from then, my life has been phenomenal. Have I had ups and downs? Yeah. But it's been such... my. My cup is overflowing. I have the Lord, and that's all I need. As the little girl said, that's all I need. I need nothing more. What an amazing journey. Here's number two. When I walk in the anointing, I cannot follow friends who are not led by the Spirit. It's not just about the culture, but now it gets more personal. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Keep company with wise friends, and you'll become wise. But if you associate with fools, your life will suffer great hurt. How many times you heard me say, if you want to soar with the eagles, you got to quit running with the turkeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's just so true. It's that simple. Did you know that peer pressure, peer pressure is the number one factor of why so many miss out on living God's will out in their lives. Peers. We were created for relationships and we failed to understand the power of them, the seduction of them, the influence, and how quickly Satan can use that to take that anointing. When I'm walking in the anointing, I can't follow friends who are not being led of the Spirit. The moment I want to fit in, I forfeit walking in the anointing. And I have to tell you, faithing up is a whole lot better than fitting in every time. In fact, 1 John 3 says, do not let anyone lead you in the wrong way. Listen to these words. Do not let anyone lead you in the wrong way. Christ is righteous. So to be like Christ, you must do what is right. Anyone who keeps on sinning is being led by the devil. That's in the Word of God. That's in the Word of God. Now, listen to this very carefully. I'm not saying, I want to be crystal here. I'm not saying that God's people shouldn't hang around unsaved and unspiritually resolved people. You with me on this? In fact, the Bible commands us to. I'm just saying we're the influencer, not them. When I'm around darkness, I'm light. When I'm around light, well, our light's just brighter. You know, (laughs) iron sharpens iron. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. You will be my spokesman. You are to influence them. What's he talking about? This is a prophet speaking on behalf of God. 
We're to be the ones that go out into the dark world. We're to be light. We're to be the influence. We're to be the magnet that people are drawn to, if you will. We, we pull people up. We don't let people pull us down, right? He goes on to say, but do not let them influence you. You see, when I'm walking in the anointing, I cannot follow friends who are not led by the Spirit. What's going through your mind? Peer pressure, you just said it, and I just wrote it down again now. I, you know, we work with the youth and, and talk to them all the time, and we're, everybody's always saying, oh, they have it so much worse than we did. And You know, I've been reading with Mark, we've been reading some Joshua and some Kings, and there's nothing more vulgar than those times in the world, and I cringe when I'm listening to cutting off heads and doing all the things they did back then. So the world hasn't changed in peer pressure. When, when John, when they're talking about it in 1 John, when was that written? Not yesterday. <laughs> There's been peer pressure forever. It, it's just the times of how we're receiving it might be a little different. But it's not new. It's just whether or not we're strong enough to say no so that they have somewhere to fall to and go to. Because if four of my friends, I always say, if four of your friends are over here and I'm the fifth one, you are the average of the five you hang with. And I always include myself in that fifth person because who am I today? Am I representing him? Am I an ambassador? Am I the light? Or am I just another one of those four who's not living the word? I sit and talk to someone and when I'm talking about the word, I just get more excited and happier and more fulfilled. And, and it's not a boring conversation. It never is. And so to me, I think you are the average of the five you hang with. I've said it for a long time. And if those five aren't the ones who are enlightening you, then we need to find another friend and drop one of those off so that now you can be the fallback for them so they can come over and you can be one of their five in growing instead of following. So I just, I love the way that Peer pressure isn't new. It's been talked about in the Bible. I like what you said about the choices. You know, if you're saying yes to the right thing, you automatically say no to the wrong. I think my pastor told me that. You're automatically saying no. As an addict, I was always worried about telling my friends they had to get lost. I couldn't be around them. But I found myself saying yes to the right things, and they just took their place, either with me or without me. But I'm walking a Christian walk, and so both by my example and by my words, they get to hear what's going on. And it's cool to see how many of them want what I got. I just what a transformation. So that fifth person, that light shining brighter, that they get to see who we are, to stand boldly in Christ. Because in my past life, I could always talk about those things you named, sex, drugs, rock and roll, I could talk about those and every conversation I had was gonna to come to that. Well, if I'm a true Christian, now every conversation comes to Christ and they all need to hear about Christ all the time. So to stand boldly, if I'm with you more than five minutes, you better have heard the word of Jesus Christ come out of my mouth and in a really good way, so. That's, that's the anointing, that's the overflowing. Yeah how contagious that can be, how influencing that can be for people around you. You are so right. That's exactly what it is. The anointing, when you're walking in it, the power that, that, that we possess and the influence and the confidence, that doesn't come from our, ourselves. No. 
but the indwelling of the Spirit. You're so right. So right. He's good. Amen. He's so good. Here's number three. So when we have the anointing, it will change us. But there's some things that that change is going to ask of us. Here's the third thing. When I'm walking in the anointing, I will not be led by my feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to say something. It's very important because I, I had an individual who, who has, has walked with Christ, who literally said to me, is not the Holy Spirit all about feelings? And I want you to listen to this. Absolutely not. The Spirit is anything but feelings. The Spirit will never operate out of emotion. It operates out of the truth of God's Word. It will never, ever contradict. Because here's the deal. Our emotions lie to us all the time, don't they? Yes. One minute, I'm elated. The next minute, I'm deflated. Mm -hmm. I've seen people where they have their hands up on the weekend and they're worshiping God. Man, one good swift kick in the kneecap, okay? Those hands are coming down quickly. And I'm sure they're not going, praise God anymore. I I mean, it it can be changed so quickly, can it not? A phone call? A careless word? Man, our emotions can change. That's why we need the anointing of God. Something that's bigger than, than a wave, a roller coaster life. I mean, for example, go back to your wedding night, all right? Now think about your wedding night. Are you always feeling those exact same emotions every day since? No, absolutely not, but it doesn't change my love for my wife. I love her more today than I did on my wedding night. Yet I've had moments I sure didn't feel that way. But I know down deep, because I, th- I really believe the Holy Spirit confirms that. Proverbs 14 says, you may feel you're on the right road and still end up dead. You may feel it. Folks, here's, here's a reality. Emotions are temporary, whether they're good or bad. They're always temporary. The Bible says, the prophet said what? The heart is deceitful. What is he talking about? Don't trust your emotions. They're so deceitful. And so if the anointing changes me, then I can't trust my emotions. I can't lean on them. I've got to let the Spirit lead. Now we're going to talk about the second thing that God's anointing does, but what's going through your mind with that being said? First thing that came to my mind was when you said the Holy Spirit goes off of God's truth. Anytime that I want to have a difficult conversation, if emotions are involved, I have to make a date. Don, let's talk about this in two or three days. We can write it down and we'll come back to it when we're not filled with emotion and we have rational conversation. That is a good word of advice. It is. I'm an emotional person. Um, so I, I like having a couple days to just sort out why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And so I can have that conversation instead of crying through the conversation. <laughs> I, I like what Mark Twain said. He said, don't count to 10 when you're mad, count to 1,000. <laughs> it's the same advice. But, but talking about that the Holy Spirit is not about feelings, 
It's about truth. Jesus said that in John 14. He says in John 14, verse 17, He is the Holy Spirit. This is who I'm going to send you, who will lead you in all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does, the anointing of God. It won't get caught up in emotion. It'll always be about God's Word and that being the authority. Also, how important it is to read the Bible so that you know the truth. So when you are feeling those emotions, you those verses can come to mind Absolutely. and lead you. Amen. Amen. Well, here's number two. So God's anointing will change us. Now, if it changes us, and we just talked about three things, we cannot follow the culture then. All right, we can't follow friends who aren't being led by the Spirit. We can't trust our emotions. Well, here's the second thing. God's anointing will not only change you, it must control you. It must control you then. I love this stuff. God cannot anoint your head. Now watch this. If you're not kneeling before His throne. God cannot anoint your head. As David said, He will anoint my head with oil. See, to be under implies something to be over. And, and when God does the anointing, I believe this is what Paul meant in Ephesians 3. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with an inner strength now through the Holy Spirit. We have this new anointing that now controls us. It's His unlimited resources. We're not leaning on our own resources. We have a new, if you will, a new programmed mind. And, and that's what, in that what uh, Paul said in Romans. He says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's a new power source. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Romans 8. And I, I want to look at verse 2. And here's what he says. Because you belong to Him, and that being Christ... The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The life-giving Holy Spirit now, He's freed you. He has control over you. And so he goes on to say, he says in verse 5, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We're controlled by the Spirit of God. John writes it this way, you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you, and the Spirit will teach you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. He goes on to say it's not a lie, you can trust it. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Remain in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit control you. So the Holy Spirit not only changes us, but now the Holy Spirit is to control us. We'll talk about the third, but what's going through your mind? So I try to remember in the morning that instead of just standing up, I always say my, my gratefulness beforehand, before I hit the feet, Joyce Myers always says, make sure Satan is, is fearful that she's going to put her feet to the ground. So I always think that that's my goal is to make him afraid that I'm going to get up today. And, but to roll on my knees in the morning, 
That's so humbling for me. I did it the other day. We had a, a kind of a rough time of some things, and I got on my knees the other day. I couldn't get up. I was crying too much. And that's a time for me when it's okay to just stay there because I'm not ready. Something's going on. But it's kind of like the old thing. You're arguing at home and the doorbell rings. You can quit really quick. But there's been times when I don't quit and then I regret it so much and I don't want to have that regret. So for letting him come over me so that there's a quietness before I open my big mouth because sometimes it's loud and, and strong and I don't want it to be and I don't want to regret what I say. So it's okay to listen to what he has because he's always my compass. No, I don't think we want to say it that way. Wait a minute. And so I remember if I opened the door and Jesus was there, what would I do? Or if you came to my door and I was arguing with Mark, I could go, hi, Keith, welcome, you know? So I can change that attitude if I choose it. So I got to remember to let him do that because he doesn't want me to yell or use my mouth to hurt someone. He wants me to wait a minute. So I like to write it down and wait two or three days because I just, I think letting him control me is the tough part. You know, for me with that, it's every morning before my feet hit the floor, I have to I take a moment and I pause and I pray before I get out of bed, God, let it be your will this day, not mine, and help me to think more often of others, especially my bride today. Do not allow me to be selfish, prideful, humble me in all ways. So to consciously choose to give all my life and will over to Christ's care and control, every bit of it, I don't get to grab the wheel, I will crash. So uh, I just spoke about that being able to give it up to him, let him have it, trust, faith, mm. that he will steer me in the right direction. Amen. Mm. Well, I think that's what Jesus meant when he said um, we're to pick up that cross daily. Mm. Amen. Mm. You know, we, we have to die to ourselves so that new nature, mm -hmm. the, the Holy Spirit, will, will take precedent. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful things that you've shared. And I hope that every one of you that are watching are taking note of that, listening to tremendous practices that can change you, that, that are just so beautiful. Here's the third thing that God's anointing will do. It will change you. And when it changes us, there's some things we already talked about we cannot do, right? Because we need to be controlled by it. But here's the third one, and I think this is important. We never miss this. The God's anointing should compel us. It should compel us. Now, what I'm talking about is that God never blesses anyone for their own benefit. This saddens me. But right now in this country, among Christians, those who say the word of God is their authority, you ready for this? 72% of American Christians believe that people get blessed by God so they can enjoy life themselves. Boy, is that a problem. I want to say it again. God never blesses anyone for their own benefit. He blesses in order that we now can bless others. Our lives are be a blessing. That's what the Bible says, that when you light a lamp, you don't hide it. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. Well, the lamp is lit. Go light the whole house up. It's to, to illuminate. It's to help others. It's to bless you might find this interesting and write this down. The word love or the idea to love is used 513 times in the New Testament. This word love. 
overall, whether it be lover or loved, it's used set or 670 times. So any, if you will, any use of that word love and however it's applied, totally it's used 670 times. Now the idea of giving or being generous is used 1,713 times. Now we all know that love is the central theme of the Bible, right? But over and over in scripture, the practical application of love is always found in generosity. And the most famed verse spells it out very clearly. God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. God's anointing will compel us. It will move us to want to be a blessing to other people. Well, by the way, what would other, any other reason to be anointed? You know, think about going back to my ordination. People laid their hands. People who love God, who have the anointing, are now what? Giving it away. Their hands are symbols of blessing me now. And what are they saying? That you now arise, go, and bless others. I'll say it again. God never blesses anyone for their own benefit. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of God is upon me. Now watch this. For the Lord has anointed me. You ready? Here comes the anointing. To bring good news to the poor. Notice the blessing. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Again, the blessing. And to proclaim that the captives be released and prisoners will be freed. The anointing always compels us to go forth and to touch other lives. To be generous, to give. Now, I want to read you something from the comedian Ken Davis. Don't miss his words. I do not know if being selfish will cause you to go to hell. But what I do know is that a lot of other people will go to hell if you're selfish. Wow. Let me read those again. I do not know if being selfish will cause you to go to hell. But what I do know is that a lot of other people will go to hell if you're selfish. How can we say we're walking in the anointing of God? and doing nothing to care about people's eternal future. Let alone to just serve and to give our lives away and to be generous. That's what it means to be in the anointing. Church, I want you to listen to this. And by way, I, I want to apologize. You know, so often we do a lot of teaching from the pulpit. And one of the things I'm, I'm always doing is trying to give you principles of which to ascribe to. I'm not doing that to guilt anyone. My job isn't to change you. My job is to share with you what the Word of God says and for you to ask if that's what you really want. And if we really want the anointing, then we listen. And it's not about whether we agree or disagree. We need to ask ourselves, if that's what the Word of God says, is that what I really want for my life? Do we really want that? See, let me close with this. God's anointing, let me tell you a couple things about it. It has to be renewed daily. It has to be renewed daily. It's like the manna that God provided to the people in the wilderness. 
it was just enough for that day. When it comes to God's anointing, you can't store it up or hoard it. All right, you, you don't lock it up in the cupboard and, and decide, well, this is a good time to use it, okay? I, I like what Jesus said, we need fresh wine. We need a fresh anointing. We can't put the old stuff in the new wineskins. It'll burst, right? But by the way, that's what our lives should be. Like always wanting to burst mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's that cup running, running over, over, right? Mm -hmm. But to walk into something new means something has to go. Now, let me, let me illustrate that for you. Let's pretend that this is your life. And right now you have this open vessel and, and this, is, this is your cup. Now, right now it's all full of air. How, how do we get the air out? We can suck it out. Fill it with something. But if you put a, but if you put a vacuum on there, it might actually implode the glass. How do you get the air out? Fill it with liquid. Absolutely. You fill it up. You put the new stuff in. And the key to getting all the air out is to make sure that that liquid fills it enough that it overflows. That's how we get it out. We let God infill us with the Holy Spirit. Let that anointing fall on our lives. And that needs to happen daily. That's what we talked about every day, getting up, making sure that our knees hit the floor not our feet, that we start moving in the wrong direction. We start with God. We let the anointing fill us. And, and if we will, like the Franciscan monks uh, used to do, and some still do today, they would not just start their day asking God to infill their lives. Like the camel, they would end their day by pondering back through and, and looking and asking, when, God, was I living it right? And when was I not? so that I'm unloading that now before God and I close my eyes. And then the next day, let the infilling happen again. Let it happen, it needs to happen daily. But here's the second thing. Not only do we need to do this daily, but we need to die to ourselves daily. We have to. Listen, the anointing of God is not found by striving. It comes by surrender. It's not working harder. It's working less, if you will. It's letting God do what only God can do. You see, only those who are willing to die to themselves will be raised in life with Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss this because this one's going to hurt. You need to hear this, church. According to the Word of God, the anointing can be lost. We went back to 1 Samuel 10. And the Bible is very clear that Samuel anointed Saul. But I want to read to you a very, very, if you will, uh, sad passage of Scripture. And it's also in 1 Samuel. And it's in the 16th chapter. Now, church, listen. This is only six chapters later. And the Bible says in the 14th verse, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. But can I tell you what really saddens me is when the Bible says, the Spirit of God left Saul and he didn't even know it. 
People go, how does that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happens. It's when we start taking the Spirit of God for granted. It's when we're not trusting it. It's when we begin to work and depend upon our own strength. And we start thinking we know better. It's when we become too busy and we have no time for God. And that's what happened to Saul. Saul started trusting himself. Saul started leaning. He got jealous. And why was that? He wasn't spending adequate time with God. And so the fears of the world began to, if you will, start crowding out. And he started worrying about those things. And he dies on a battlefield on his own sword. It's such a tragic moment in Scripture. And so my question is you, to you, do you want the anointing of God? Do you really want the anointing of God in your life? Upon your home? Upon everything that you do? You want God's anointing? Well, the Bible says in Hosea 10, it says, plow up the hard ground of your heart. Plow it up. For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. God wants our lives to overflow, but it's going to take the anointing of God for that to happen. But we need to be honest, especially in this country, because what I fear is that there's a lot of hard hearts. And I'm talking about God's church. People are so angry, so bitter, so comfortable, so complacent. And Hosea's right, you need to plow up that ground. We need, we need God right now to convict us, to convict us deeply. I want to pray for you, but I want an opportunity for you. What's going through your mind as we're wrapping this up? Think of that statement that you've said many times, hurt people, hurt people in those hard hearts. They've been hurting for a long time. Even those that are comfortably miserable, they've been hurting for a long time. I find as a control freak myself that the cool thing was is when I let go and let God, my cup overflowed, but it was always half empty when I had control. I think about the, um, it's not about you. I've been saying it for a really long time. <clears throat> comes from Rick Warren's book, It's Not About You. I just, uh, it's, it's true, we're not here for us. And I love that you said it again today. It's just, it's not about us. And that's what makes the big difference when we get it. I think of the, uh, the problem that many people like me has in ministering to others, to taking what we receive and giving it back to someone else. And the more that I become comfortable in the Word and the more that uh, I become comfortable in my faith and my convictions, the easier it is to give it away. To talk to people on the golf course that uh, just last year I would have been sort of embarrassed to, you know, bring that up. And, and like you said, Michael, you know, if the conversation for Christ doesn't come up in a, in a decently long conversation, something's wrong with, with me. Yeah, let's not bury one more friend and wonder if we yeah, should Yeah, I mean, we've had so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we've, we've had some successes this year in, in bringing people to Christ. But 
all of the missed opportunities of the past are kind of haunting. I want you to, if, if you feel comfortable, to just put your hand out toward whatever you're watching this on. And I'm going to ask God right now that he would just fall from heaven in a mighty way and the spirit would be uh, leashed in such an amazing way. God, I, I just ask that you would do what only you can do. God, you would fall upon every one of us, every person listening that they're saying, I want the anointing of God. And that God, you would rush in that even in a physical way, a tangible way, they would feel that something just happened. But Lord, they would be changed. As Paul said, the old would be gone, the new, the anointing of God has fallen upon them. And that God, in the midst of this, they would surrender the control. As Paul wrote, it's the love of God that compels us, that controls us. That God, we are changed and we have a new authority, a new voice that speaks truth into our lives. And as Jesus said, and that truth we will obey. We're not going to be swayed by a culture. We're not going to be influenced by our friends. We're not going to trust our emotions but the Spirit of God is leading us. And that Spirit is leading to move us to be light in a dark world. God, to be generous in the way that we give, whether it be monetarily or that we would give physically in serving or washing someone's feet, but that, God, we would be so unified and in harmony and that we would trust the Spirit. God, thank you. We want the anointing and I trust that you do what only you can do and that we are receiving right now and it's going to be a different world because we are a different person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 And amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.